privilege to be here, to be able to serve our God, uh, to be able to corporately come together and lift up his holy name. Because he is good. Am I right about it? I mean, I need to know that you know that he's good. Huh? You, nobody had to tell you that. Have you tried the man for yourself? And he is all right. Can I get a witness? So we just praise God for this day and thank God for this awesome opportunity that he's given us to be alive and well today. Glory to God. Uh, if you have your Bibles, guys, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, which we've been studying. We started on last week, uh, studying from this book, Ezekiel chapter number two, and we'll look at verse number three, Ezekiel chapter number two, verse number three. Glory to God. You should have gotten a copy of some sermon notes. Brother Jerry, do you have an extra one of those? You should have gotten a copy of the sermon notes and so that I want you to dial in today and I want you to pay careful attention to what God is trying to tell us. Amen. I want you to pay careful attention to what God is trying to tell us. Look here. Um, we uh, start this off by saying that uh, as we look at the and survey, the book of Ezekiel, one of the themes that we discover from this, this awesome prophetic book is that God is faithful even when his own people are not faithful. How many of y'all have found it to be true? Because if, if, if you ever examine your own life like I examine mine, I, 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 you know, I thank God that he's a merciful God because I haven't did everything that I should do. I haven't been every place that I have been ordained and, and required to be. I haven't, I haven't studied my Bible like I need to all the time. I haven't, I haven't followed God's word and vision uh, to the letter like I need to. So uh, even when I'm not, I'm not, I'm, even when I'm not faithful, God is. He keeps on blessing me. He keeps on making a way out of no way. And so following the time of chastisement, God will bring ultimate restoration and blessing just like he promised. And that's what the book of Ezekiel is all about, talking about the fact that God, uh, even though he chastises, he has a promise for his people. And we, we discovered on last week that Ezekiel had some very unique ways of, of of sharing God's message. He has some very unique demonstrative ways of getting people to understand what was coming down the pipe. And we shared with you several things that he did uh, on last week. But let's get into the text right now. In verse number three, he says, Son of man, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. Verse number four, let's go. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. Have you ever been stubborn and hard-hearted? Come on now, talk to me, all right? You knew what God told you to do, but you didn't do it, right? But I'm sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, verse five, and whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels. At least they will know that they have had a prophet among them, right? Verse number six, it says what? Son of man, y'all not reading with me. Come on, let's read together. Ready? Read. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Don't be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls, even though they are what? 
that they are rebels. Next verse says what? You must give them my messages whether they listen or not. But they won't listen for they are what? <laughs> Completely rebellious. Verse number eight says what? Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, open your mouth and eat what God gives you. <laughs> and God is ready to feed you today. Amen. He's ready to feed you today. Open your mouth and eat what God gives you. Not what Doyle Adams gives you, not what your mama or your daddy gives you, not what your neighbor, not what Deacon so-and-so gave you, but eat what God gives you. Everybody say, eat what God gave me. Now, guys, we, 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 we gave you point number one on last week. We said God calls specific individuals to service. And as we look at this, the text that we just read, we see Ezekiel's calling, his calling. Now, again, we, we're entitled this, this message it's time to live again because so many times, guys, in our lives, we become dead to the voice of God. We become engrossed in our own little things, in our own little life situations that we forget about that God has a calling on our lives. God has a specific calling that he wants to, to, to uh, get us to walk in. Now, look, uh, you know, one of the things we said that as we look at that specific calling, one thing you have to recognize is number number one that your calling is customized. Everybody say customized. Now, how many of y'all have ever bought a vehicle, and that vehicle was uh, the plain Jane vehicle? You know, back in the day, you could buy a vehicle with no air conditioning. You probably still can today, but how many of y'all remember back in the days you could get a car with no air? In the South, that's brutal, isn't it? And if you're up north, maybe you can get away with that. Now, up north, there are some buildings that don't even have air conditioning. But, but when you buy a car, you can get a plain Jane version of that car because that car could come with chrome wheels. I got some car salesmen here, Brother Dave, Brother Stafford. Come on, when, when you're selling a vehicle, uh, you know, a lot of times the one that's on the showroom floor, can I help? Showroom floor, not flow. Okay. The one that's on the showroom floor usually has what all the bells and whistles. And guess what? They do that on purpose. So when you come in there, you smell that new car smell. You see those chrome wheels. You see the leather seat. How many of you can get one without leather seat, right? And you see the, 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 the wood grain in there. How many of you can get one without wood grain, right? And when you see all of these amenities, the, the DVD player and, 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 and the, uh, the voice activated this and the, and the, the mapping system, all of that stuff, is, it, 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 what it's doing is it's customizing that vehicle. You can get a van that's customized, but you can get one that's plain Jane. What I'm trying to tell you today is that God calling for your life is customized. It is specific to you and the giftings and the, and the calling that he's placed upon your life. So your calling is customized. Everybody say, I'm customized. God's calling in your life is customized. It's uniquely designed for you to help you reflect God's purpose for your life. Your calling is not my calling, and my calling is not your calling. It's customized for your life. Can I get a witness? Go with me right quick to, uh, to Philippians 2 and 12. That's why every one of us must work out 
his own salvation. Look at Philippians 2, verse number 12 with him right quick, and we'll move forward. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Paul is talking to the saints at Philippi. He says, and now that I am away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Let's go to the KJV of that very same passage of scripture. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Go to the, verse, the next verse. It says what? Uh, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what he's saying is that when God saves us, when he changes us, he changes our spirit man. Our spirit man is reborn. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have what? Passed away and behold, all things have become new. That newness is the new spirit man. We are a new being. But he says we got to work it out. God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working the salvation process that took place on the inside. He's working it to the outside. Can I get a witness? So our calling is customized. Amen. It, th what this means is that, uh, uh, that your calling and, and you trying to be like somebody else is not what you ought to be pursuing after. How many of you know it's good to admire other people? It go, it's good to glean from their ministries, but can't nobody beat you being you? Have you discovered that? You're the best you that, 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 that on the planet. Now, thank God for people who we admire, but again, let God use you in, in your own unique way because your calling is customized. God, God has only one you on this earth. There, there may be some people who look like you, and some of y'all may be twins, but even you and your twin are not the same person. God's calling is customized. Everybody say customized. Now go, to, go with me to John 17, verse number four, right quick. John, the 17th chapter, verse number four. Ezekiel's calling was a very specific calling. And I want you to notice, when, as you go to John 17 and four, God told Ezekiel, they ain't going to listen, but you preach it anyhow. See, what we've got to get away from is, 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 this, is this attitude, this mentality, well, I'm not going to do what God called me to do because maybe they're not going to receive what I'm trying to give them. That's not your job. Our job is not to make people receive. Our job is to go and walk in the calling that God has given us. God says, these folks are rebellious, their hearts are rebellious, but I need you to go and speak to them anyhow. I need you to tell them so that they all know when this transpires, when my judgment comes, because remember, what had happened? These folks had gotten, had gotten complacent and they had moved away from God so that God allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And as they were in captivity by the Babylonians, we see Ezekiel, who was a priest at the time, and now he's been called to be a prophet. 
Ezekiel, around the age of 30 years old, began to speak God's word to the people. God's judgment is coming. It is coming uh, in a way that's, that's going to cause you to look back toward God. John 17 and 4. Y'all there with me? Let's read it again. It says what? I brought, you, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. This is Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. He says, I brought glory to you. Now, one thing I want you to, to, to clearly hear me on, whenever you are walking in your calling, understand this, that, that you, you've been placing that track in life, you've been put on that calling track so that you can bring glory to whom? To God. That's what Jesus says. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So whatever you do, guys, make sure that you're doing it to give him glory. Make sure it's not about you and your name being in the lights. Make sure it's about giving God glory. So number one, uh, we see up on here that your calling is customized. Number two, your calling is more than your job. Now, thank God for your job, but your calling is more than your job or your career. It may include your job, but your calling is not totally synonymous with your job. That's because your calling also includes other areas, such as your marriage and your family, that don't come under the heading of employment. How many of you know that every husband that's in this place has been called to be a protector for his wife and his family? Every husband that's in this place, you, 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 by virtue of being a husband, you have a calling to be the spiritual leader in your homes. Let me say it again. The spiritual leader, not just the financial leader. You've been called upon to be the spiritual leader in your home. And anytime a husband is not the spiritual leader in his home, he is now out of place and not walking in that divine calling. Are you listening to me today? So every husband in here, you, I, I want you to go away from this message today saying, you know what, if I, if I have not been the spiritual leader, I'm going to set myself on a course now and I'm going to allow God to use me to pour into my family spiritually first. Can I get a witness? So your, 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 your calling is more than your job. Now, again, your job may assist you in your calling and your, your, your job may, may, may enhance your calling because, you know, uh, all of us need to work, right? How many of y'all know we need to work? I mean, while we're in our working years, we need to work. Now, some of y'all may be retired now, but every man needs a job or a business. Every man who is able-bodied needs to work. I'm going to back up and say it again. Every able-bodied of non-retirement age male needs to do something. And young ladies, if you are dating a dude who will not work, don't marry a dude who will not work. I don't care how cute he is. I don't care how fine you think he is. I 
I don't care if he just if he do that little thing that you like him doing. If he won't work, he shouldn't eat, and you don't need to marry him. If he's dropping you off to work, riding in your car, hanging with his boys, coming back, picking you up, don't you marry that joker. That just, that just a little doleology right there. It, that wasn't even part of the message. That just kind of came from the in the core. But yet, your calling is more than your job. Paul was a tent maker, yet his calling was to preach the word. I was a banker for 17 years, yet my calling was to preach the word, to pastor this church. God may allow you to have a job that fulfills, come on guys, he may, he may allow you to have a job that fulfills your calling, in fact it should, but your job is not your calling. Guys, let me tell you something. Wisdom would say that if, 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 if I'm going to do something, I need to have resources to be able to do it, right? I've told y'all before, you can't do ministry without money. You know, you know, we're in the process of moving our sound booth upstairs to that balcony. How many of you know that there's a lot of stuff that went on to get that balcony where it is today? A lot of work behind the scene that you don't even see, and it took money to buy all the materials and pay to have it done. We're not quite finished yet, but it took money to do that. We could pray about it, we could talk about it all day long, but if there's no money, ain't nobody gonna come and do that for free. Because they got to feed that family too, right? So if a man don't work, he ought not what? If a man won't work, he ought not what? This is for somebody. I don't know who it is. Whoever it is that's dating a man that won't work, I'm not talking about he got laid off. If he get laid off every three months, something wrong. Because chances are he's not getting laid off, he's getting fired. If he won't work, he won't. Okay. And you won't either. <laughs> Y'all remember now, what we're going to do? I don't know. All right, all right. So, 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 so number three. Number three, your calling follows an encounter with God. Now, again, remember, we said God calls specific individuals to service. Your calling is customized. In other words, it's not plain Jane. It's related to you because you have certain giftings that God has placed in you. And God wants to bring that out of you so that you can walk in your divine calling. Your calling is customized. Your calling is more than your job. Your calling follows an encounter with God. Amen. It comes in response to an encounter with the living God. I think one of the biblical characters, I shared it with you all before, who best exemplifies this is Moses. Now, again, Moses was an interesting man because in Exodus 3, which is where we pick up the story. Moses had fled from Egypt after killing the Egyptians. Y'all know the story, right? All right, you Bible studies. And God was about to call Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. But guess what, guys? For 40 years, Moses had settled for being a shepherd. But his calling was to be the deliverer. 40 years on the backside of the desert, he was settling in. He had married, and Jethro was his father-in-law. He was doing the shepherd thing. Can I get a witness? Amen. He, 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 God, God was about to call him to lead 
Israel out of Egypt. He'd made some mistake. He had failed. And how I many you know your calling don't just go away because you made some mistakes and failed? How many of you know that, that every one of us in here, if we're honest about it, have, have, have disappointed God in some ways? And when I say disappointed God, really, God knows our hearts. God knew what we were going to do before he ever called us to do what he called us to do. So I, I don't know if disappointed is the right word because if I already know what you're going to do before you do it, then it don't really disappoint me because I already knew what you're going to do before you did it. Isn't it amazing how God chose to use fallible human beings such as you and I? And he used us to take the most precious treasure in the world to a dying world, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave us, amen, the, the, the awesome responsibility of taking his word to a dying world. He, he, guys, he entrusted you and I. He entrusted us to take the gospel and to help transform someone's life. I, I don't, guys, I, it still boggles my mind how God would choose to use an unworthy vessel just, such as myself. I don't know about you, but I, I, I am humble by the fact that God loves us so much and he chose to use us to do this thing. But again, Moses, on, for 40 years, was shepherding on the backside of the desert. He had made some mistakes, he had failed, and had settled in for hanging out with sheep on the backside of this desert. But, so here he was leading, he was leading sheep of the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. And he came to Horeb. Go with me right quick to Exodus, the third chapter. Exodus chapter three, verse number one. Come on, y'all still with me? Everybody say, uh, your, your, your calling follows an encounter with God. Now, maybe you've been going to church all your life, but you hadn't really had a serious encounter with God. And there are a lot of people who are in that category, they are church people, but when you ask them about what is God saying to you, how is God speaking to your heart, they can't tell you because they hadn't had an encounter with God. There are good people, smart people, uh, maybe even wise according to this world standard, but they have not had a personal encounter with God. And so when you start talking about spiritual things, they back up because they have not had that encounter with God. I'm here to tell you God is desiring to interface with every last one of us in here in a very real and intimate way. Look at Exodus, the third chapter. And we see it when Moses is about to encounter God. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Now he, here he is working. See, guys, until you discover your, your calling, keep working and doing what you're doing. What we got to realize is before the calling is revealed, we have to have an encounter with God. But while I'm trying to discover my calling, I need to be doing what God has already blessed me and graced me to be able to do. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Look at verses 2 through 4 with me right quick. Ready to read. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire, from the middle of a bush, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. Look at verse 3. Come on, let's go. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? 
How many of y'all would have been curious enough to go and see that bush that was just on fire but never burned up? Now, guys, don't you realize that, that, that God was calling, calling, calling Moses out of his curiosity about the burning bush? Now, again, I told you this before. Moses is the only one that I know and read of in Scripture where he had a, a burning bush experience. So his calling was what? Customized. How many of y'all got some customized rims on your truck? On your car. Anybody, anybody got some customized rim that don't come with them? Anybody? We got one person, two people? Come on, I, I, I know we like customized rims. Any of y'all got the, the regular factory rims on there? Let me see you. All right. I'm a, maybe, maybe it's not as popular as it was back in the day, but back in the day when I was growing up, Gary, customized rims were the thing. Y'all, it's still in some places, you know, you go to some of the hood, they got 22s, 24s. I saw a car the other day, man. I told my Reverend, I'm going to put some of them kind of rims on your, on your car. It, it, I was just messing with it, y'all. Because I don't believe in messing up quality stuff, you know. Some stuff make it look just, you know, just tacky. Yeah, no, that is tacky. But, but it, when, when something is customized, that means it's unique to you. Even when it comes to a house. Sometimes houses uh, don't sell as well. Because somebody decided they wanted something unique to them in there. And then when people come in there, they say, well, I don't like that. That color is audacious. Or that room is in the wrong spot. You put the, you put the, 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 the master bedroom right next to the kitchen. I don't want that. Because if I'm, if I'm in the master bedroom, my wife, and you in the kitchen, I don't want you to. Okay, yeah. I don't need the master bedroom. Some, that went over some of y'all heads. Some of y'all like, okay, well. What's that? I don't want you to hear me snoring. That's what I'm getting ready to say. Okay. Some of y'all will catch that when you go home. You'll catch me go home. But, but it was customized to that individual because that's what that individual wants. God, amen, has a calling that's just for you. Moses' calling was unique. This is amazing, he said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go and see it. Verse 4, let's read. It says what? When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, replied Moses. Now you go on down, and we don't have time to read the rest of this, but here God is getting ready to call him and tell him that I want you to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses didn't realize it, but his entire life was moving him toward this eternal destiny. Even from the time where his mother, who was an Israelite, placed him in the basket, sent him down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up out of the river and raised him as an Egyptian, even though he was a Hebrew. And then here he is on the backside of the desert. Now God is now getting ready to send him back and to deliver his people out of Egypt. God's calling was on this man's life. You see other instances of calling in the scripture. We, we see even where uh, the call of Abraham in Genesis 12 and 1. Just want to name a few of them. Genesis 12 and 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Abraham, Abram's calling was unique to him because God called him to go to a place that I ain't going to tell you where you're going. Just get up and go. I got to ask you a question. If God came to you right now and said, Eric Henderson, leave Benton, Louisiana. Leave your family. Leave your surroundings. Leave your job. 
I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to take you, but just pack up and get in the, in the U-Haul van, and I'm going to tell you when to stop. I want to know, Eric Henderson, would you have a problem with that? Eric, been, Eric said, yeah, I probably would. How many of y'all would, would sell your house, get the U-Haul, pack the whole family up, and say, I'm going to stop when God tells me to stop? And wherever he tells me to plant, that's where I'm going to plant. Anybody here going to take up that challenge? Anybody here ready, ready to do like Abram did? Abram left in obedience to the call that was on his life, but that was unique to him. Amen? Look at another calling. Uh, um, Gideon, y'all remember Gideon, right? Scared Gideon? The Bible says this in Judges 6 and 14, and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee in Judges 6 and 14? Have not I sent thee? Get in. You, you, are, you are a mighty man. Even though he didn't look like he was mighty, he, God called him something he didn't even look like. And I thank God he does that. He sees beyond where we are right now. And our calling will be something a lot of times that's beyond where we are right now and in a place that we may not even see ourselves being. Can I get a witness? Another calling I want you to mention, y'all remember David, right? Over in 1 Samuel 16 and 13, then the Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So he was anointed. David was anointed king. Now, guys, y'all remember the story, right? How it was when the prophet came down, David was not the first choice. Come on, y'all. If y'all remember the story, David was actually what? The last choice. Here's what I got to tell you. Sometimes you may be, the, in people's eyes, the last person on earth who would do that thing that God is calling you to do. But if God is calling you, he knows how to anoint you. David didn't look the part, but he was God's anointed man. All throughout the scripture, we see different callings. Amen. Isaiah, we see Elijah, we see Solomon. I like Solomon's calling in 1 Kings, the third chapter. Go there right quick. 1 Kings, chapter number three. Look at Solomon, guys. 1 Kings three. You, you have a calling a lot. Now, again, that calling is, is, is born out when we have an encounter with God. Look at, look at 1 Kings, chapter number, what did I tell you, three? Look at verse number seven, 1 Kings chapter three, verse number seven. Hallelujah. The text says, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to what? Come in. Look at verse eight. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, now again, he had, God had asked Solomon in his calling and said, what is it that you want from me? And Solomon, look, look at what the text says. He says, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this so great a people. Look at verse 10 just for good measure. He says this, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing and that Solomon had not asked for his enemy's head on the platter 
It pleased him so much that he gave him wisdom, but he also gave him riches and honor at the very same time. So callings are all throughout the scripture. Look, look on your outline. Your calling, here, here we go. When you think about calling, we hear that term and we get, all, we, get, we get a little fascinated with it and think that, well, that's only for preachers. But your calling, guys, listen, hear me carefully. Your calling is the divine mission to which God has ordained you and equip you to accomplish in order to bring him glory and to advance his kingdom. Look at it. It's on your outline. Your calling is the divine mission to which God has ordained you and equipped you to accomplish in order to do what? Bring him glory and to do what? And to advance his kingdom, to bring him glory and to advance his kingdom. If what you're doing is not bringing God glory, if what you're doing is not advancing your kingdom, you're not walking in your calling. A calling is given to, to give God glory and to advance his kingdom. Amen? To advance his kingdom. Now look at the next thing. A divine calling, guys, uh, uh, always has to do with God's glory with fulfilling his kingdom agenda. It has to do with what? What do we say? It always has to do with God's glory and with fulfilling his kingdom agenda. So if you're doing something and you're the only one getting glory out of it, and if people are pointing to you and not to God, you probably have missed your calling. Or you, at the very minimum, you've gotten off track. Can I get a witness? A divine calling always has to do with God's glory, with fulfilling his kingdom agenda. Third thing under that, if you and I are not advancing God's kingdom and bringing him glory, we have not yet found our calling. Let me say it again. If you and I, come on now, are not advancing God's kingdom. Now, stop. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by advancing God's kingdom? Well, God's kingdom is God's rulership. His kingdom, as we said, as defined, and we, 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 the guys who went through kingdom man study with, with us know this, God's kingdom is his rulership. It's the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of our life. And so if we're not advancing the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of our life and in the lives of those people who we're coming in contact with, we are not advancing the kingdom agenda. Amen? And, and, and we're not bringing him glory. And so if we're not doing that, we've not found our calling. If you look at your life, and maybe you're a good person. I'm not knocking at you a good person. But a good person does not, does not necessarily mean that person is advancing God's kingdom and bringing him glory. Advancing his kingdom and bringing him glory is, is what calling is connected to. Can I get a witness? So, so, so Ezekiel had a calling on his life to bring a message, a message of judgment, but Tanya also a message of, 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 a message of restoration. If you belong to God, God seeks to bring you back into him. i never forget this. When I, when I, when I completely understood this, it made all the difference in the world to me for ministry. When I realized that God, no matter where I've been, no matter how many times I've failed him, he is always trying to get me back into his presence. 
when I understood that God doesn't want to banish me to hell because I messed up, it made all the difference in the world. He is trying to get me back in his presence. Now, what God will do, he'll go to extreme measures to get us back into his presence. And so here he's, he's, he's calling Ezekiel in our text to preach a message to a rebellious people, to a hard-hearted people who do not and would not listen to him. Now, I don't know about you all, but how many of y'all had the mindset at one point in time that if they don't want to listen, well, forget them. Now, come on, talk to me. I need y'all to talk to me. How many of y'all have ever said to yourself, well, if they don't want to listen, then so be it. Let, let, them, let them go and go to hell if they want to. Maybe you didn't say it quite that way. But how many of y'all have left people alone because they wouldn't listen to you? Hello? How many of y'all have decided that I'm, I'm moving on, I've said what I got to say, and, and, and they would not listen to me, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on and let, let, let the chips fall where they may. But guys, I'm telling you, Ezekiel didn't have that choice. Cause let's go back to Ezekiel, the second chapter right here. Let's look at it one more time. Look at what God tells him. Ezekiel chapter number two. Let's get back there. Hurry. Let me get back there. Ezekiel chapter number two. Watch this. Watch this. And look. Look down with me at verse five. Ezekiel two, verse five. God calls specific individuals to service. Specific. Number, and, and, and the second thing, as we get right here in your outline, angels serve God and the recipients of his salvation. That's what we discover in the book of Ezekiel, that angels serve God and those who are the recipients of his salvation. We have angelic beings that are enabling and helping us to do the work of ministry, to help us to advance the kingdom principles, okay? The text says in verse number five, it says, what, and whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are re rebels, at least they will know that they have had a prophet among them. They will know that they have had a prophet among them. They, they, they may not listen to you, but they ought to know that you are a God-sent person, that you are a person who who actually um, is, is, is moving with the Lord. Now, again, in this second part, we, we talk about the angels uh, serve God and the recipients of his salvation. We know that, that Ezekiel, when you look at that first chapter, he, 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 he saw some, 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 some beautiful uh, beings that, 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 were, that, were, that were given in this vision to give him instructions to share, amen, this message with God's people. Go with me right quick to Hebrews, the first chapter, and let's look at verse number 14. Hebrews, the first chapter, look at verse number 14. Angels. How many of y'all were told about angels growing up? How many of y'all really believe that you have angels watching over you? All night, all day, angels watching over me, my Lord. Stacey, you don't know anything about that, do you? All night, all day. There are angelic beings who are ministering spirits. And guys, one of the things that we got to get to the point of is realizing that God has given us some help. His Holy Spirit, but we have angelic beings who are on assignment to help us. And so in Ezekiel, you'll see a, a different, uh, you'll see the, 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 the ministering 
uh, uh, ministry of the angelic beings in the book of Ezekiel. Look at Hebrews 1 and 14. Look at what the text says. Ready to read. Therefore, angels are what? Are what? They are only servants. They are only servants. Let's, let's back up and get some context. Go with me, if you will. Back up uh, to verse number uh, uh, verse number five. Go to verse five. Come on, hurry up. Verse five. So we have angelic beings who are there as ministering spirits to help us in our calling, to help us in advancing the kingdom. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son. Today I've become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. Verse six says what? And when he, and when he brought his firstborn son to the world, God said, let all of God's angels do what? Let them worship him. Verse seven, come on. Regarding the angels, he said, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. Now, again, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants, angels are servants, they serve God like the flames of fire. Verse number eight, come on, let's go. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. Nine, come on. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Ten says, he also says to the son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. Eleven says, they will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. Verse 12, you will fold them up like a cloth and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. 13 and 14 says what? And God never said to any of the angels, sit on the place in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool unto you. Now what he's telling us is, is the son of God is higher than angels. Angels are nothing more than ministering spirits. Never worship an angel. But always worship and praise the living God, the Son of God, who sits on the right hand of the Father. Look at verse 14. Therefore, angels are what? Only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will do what? Who will inherit salvation. So, so, so what, what is the ministry of angels involved? Are they still real today? Yes. Are they still active and alive today? Yes. Can we count on angelic help when we're doing things? Yes. Sometimes, guys, you know, there's some stuff that we, we don't even see and we're not aware that's happening, but our angelic beings are there to help us. What are those, what are those ministering spirits? What are they designed to do? Number one is for protection. Go to Psalms 91. Angels are there for protections. Because some stuff we don't see coming. Psalms 91, verse 9 through 11. So Isaiah, I mean, Ezekiel uh, shares with us in a lot of the passages the ministry of angels. Don't think that this is some cartoonish uh, uh, fantasy thing. Angelic beings are real. When was the last time you talked about angels and their help? Look at what the text says. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, verse 10, no evil will conquer you. No plague will do what? Will come near you, near your home. Verse 11. For he will do what? 
He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. So wherever you and I go, we have ministering angels that are there to help protect us. Now, guys, I, you know, I, how many of y'all have an alarm system or you have some at your house that are designed to protect or burglar bars or whatever around your house? Those things are good, but guess what? And, and I'm not saying it's wrong to have them. You, ought, you ha need to have something. But, but wouldn't it be better to have God's ministering spirit watching over your stuff? Wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be better for you to have confidence in the fact that God will order his angels to protect you wherever you go? Amen. God has angelic beings who are designed, number one, for protection. Number two, they're there for guidance. Go to Genesis, the 19th chapter. They're there for guidance. Because how many of y'all know we need some guidance from time to time? Now, again, I'm sharing these things because the book of Ezekiel gives us these broad points. It lets us know that each one of us have been called specifically for service. It lets us know that we have, as we go about doing this service, we have, we have these ministering spirits. We have angels who are serving God and those who receive God's salvation, which is you and I. Look at Genesis 19 and verse 17. It says what? When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Here we have an angel ministering and giving guidance to God's people. Angels are there to help guide us. Guys, I believe that there are some, some, there are some people who you have come in contact with and you didn't even realize it was an angelic being. You remember what the Bible says? It says, be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained what? Angels without even knowing it. And so angelic beings can take on the forms of human beings and that may be someone who came and gave you guidance and then you turn around, look, where'd that person go? That was an angelic being that came on assignment to help you, to guide you. So angels do what? They guide us. What's the next function of the angels? They, they, they're there to offer encouragement. Go to Judges, the sixth chapter. Verse number 11 through 12, they give us encouragement. How many of y'all need to be encouraged every now and then? Glory to God. They come to give us encouragement. Judges 11, 6 and 11 says this. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebiazah. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Y'all know that story, how it was that the Midianites kept coming in every time God's people would, would reap the grain and store it up and get ready to take it, they would come in and, and steal it away. So the text says in verse number 12, read it. It says what? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is what? Now guys, look at the irony of this. The angel comes and calls him what? But he's hiding. He's scared of the enemy. God is sending the ministering spirit to encourage this man who was walking in fear. God will call you something that you don't even look like right now. He says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So angels, amen, come to give encouragement. Go to Acts the 12th chapter right quick. Y'all know this story. 
Acts chapter 12, they come to give encouragement. They also bring deliverance. Acts 12. Are you still tracking with me today? It's time to live again. Now, see, if, 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 if I know that I have an angelic ministry that's there on assignment to help me, it, 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 it should encourage me and should encourage you to know that you're not in this thing alone. That whatever you've been, it's not the worst it's going to be. And, 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 and God can bring you out of wherever you've been. He can help you get to where you need to be because he has a calling on your life. Look at what the text says. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Now watch, y'all know the story. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. There was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed, and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. Amen. He didn't realize it was actually happening. The text says this. Uh, they passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Just like he suddenly came, he suddenly left. Some of y'all have been in the midst of a, get ready to get creamed by another car, but an angel steps in suddenly and stops that car. That angel stepped in suddenly and stopped that thing from happening. You have ministering spirits that are there to help you on this journey. Can I get a witness? Suddenly. So they're there for deliverance. Not only that, but they're there for empowerment. Go to Luke, the second, 22nd chapter. They're there for empowerment. How many of y'all need some power? How many of you ever felt weak and insufficient? Well, you got some angelic beings that are there to help you get to where you need to be. Guys, this is not fairy tale. If I know that I have ministering spirits and I begin to trust in the fact that God will place them wherever they need to go, then I can have confidence that what God has assigned me to do, I'm more than able to accomplish. Can I get a witness? Luke 22, verse 41 says this. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And the text says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Look at verse 43. It says what? Then an angel from heaven appeared and did what? Who is him? This is Jesus here who is being strengthened by a ministering servant from heaven. And guys, I don't know about you, but there are some times when I need some strength to carry on this journey. There are some times when I may be down low, I may, I may not feel the very best, but I need to be strengthened and encouraged by my angelic helper. If Jesus needed an angel to help, how about you? Angels are real. Say, angels are real. Uh, I won't go to these next two, but uh, not only are angels there to encourage and help, but they're also there for rebuke too. They'll rebuke us. They'll that they'll tell us when we're wrong. And they're also there to bring judgment upon us. Okay? 
And, there, and again, you can see these, we're not going to go over these, but there are different classifications of angelic beings. Because we realize in studying the book of Daniel that, that the archangel Michael had to come and help the other angel bring the answer to Daniel. So there are different classifications of angelic beings. So angels serve God and us who are the recipients of his salvation. And lastly, what we discover here from this first part of this book is, is that uh, God's word carries his authority. Everybody say God's word carries his authority. Say it again. Say God's word carries his authority. Go with me, if you will, and take a look at this. Uh, go to Ezekiel chapter number three, verse number 11. Open it right quick. God's word carries his authority. Ezekiel chapter three, verse number 11. Now, then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or not. Say what the word says. Go around to verse number 27 with me right quick. God's word carries his authority. So in other words, whenever I'm ministering to someone or sharing with someone, I want to give them God's word. When I'm counseling with couples, I mean, I, I, I want to give, you know, uh, practical worldly wisdom and advice, but I want to give you the word of God on top of that because the word carries God's authority. If you will do what the word says, then you can have the ability to overcome the situation. Look at verse 27. Y'all there, let's read. But when I give you a message, I will loosen your tongue and do what? And let you speak. Then you will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Those who choose to listen will listen, but those who refuse will refuse, for they are what? Rebels. We can see that over and over again. Go to, go to five and five with them right quick. God's word carries his authority. So that means that if I speak the word or if I pray the word, I'm walking in God's authority. And if I'm walking in God's authority, then I have the ability to, to be successful in whatever I do. Amen? Look at what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is an illustration of what will happen to Jerusalem. I placed her at the center of the nations. Verse 6, let's read. But she has rebelled against me, against my regulations and decrees, and has been even more wicked than the surrounding nations. She has refused to obey the regulations and decrees I gave her to follow. We see in verse number, verse number 7 and 8, right quick. It says what? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You people have behaved worse than your neighbors and I refuse to obey my decrees and regulations. You have not even lived up to the standards of the nation around you. God's people were living worse than those who were around them. It's a shame today that it seems like sometimes the church is living worse than the world. Look at what it says in verse number, this, this last verse says what? Therefore, I myself, the sovereign Lord, am now your enemy. Guys, don't ever get to the point to where you're on the opposite side of the table from God. He says this, I myself, the Lord, am your enemy. God was talking about his people. And he was telling Ezekiel to tell them this. I will punish you publicly while all the nations watch. Now watch this. God's word carries his authority. Ezekiel was simply a mouthpiece. I am simply a mouthpiece carrying God's word, his authority. Even as I stand as your pastor, I'm, no, I'm nothing special. 
I'm just a man that God called to do what I'm doing. Whenever I share with you from the book, that's why we went through a lot of scriptures today, I want you to see, first and foremost, that God calls specific individuals to service. Secondly, God has angelic beings on assignment to help us in this walk. And thirdly, God's word carries his authority. So when you ignore me, don't think it's just me you ignore it. I'm just sharing with you God's word. And God's word carries what? His authority. And look at what the text says. Go back right quick where we said that in Ezekiel. And look at what God did in Ezekiel 5 and verse number 8. Look at what he says, what he happened to his children. Because he's trying to get them back to him. And if God has to, he'll have to chastise us to get us back to him. Therefore, I myself, the sovereign Lord, am now your enemy. I will punish you publicly while everybody else watch. That's what he said. Sometimes, guys, and I'm going to close with this. In our life, God gives us chance after chance after chance after chance. He loves us so much after chance. How many of y'all give children chance after chance after chance? How many of y'all with your children, your, 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 your grace is so merciful. I mean, you, you keep on hoping that they will turn around, right? You, you don't want to take it from them right now because you, you want to reward them. You don't want to punish them, but they, but they keep on and on and on. He gives us chance after chance after chance, but there comes a point in time where God says enough is enough. And if he has to, to get us back into his presence, he'll do what he did with his children, Israel and Judah here in the book of Ezekiel. He says, I'm going to punish you publicly. While all your nation, while your enemy watch you be punished. It's a bad thing. When you, how many of y'all ever got a whipping in front of your friends? Any of y'all? Any ever got a whipping in front of your friends? Isn't that embarrassing? When mama tore your butt up and your friends watched it. Basically, God says, I'm going to punish you and all the nations are going to watch you. But he's trying to get them back in this presence. Guys, they didn't have to live this way. And I don't care where you are in your state in your life. You don't have to stay where you are. It's time for you to live again. It's time for you to walk in God's divine prosperity. It's time for you to have the abundant life. It's time for you to show forth God's glory in this earth. It's time for you to flow and to move in your calling. It's time for you to accept the help of your angelic beings. It's time for you to submit yourself into the authority of God's word. It's time to live again. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you. Father, we praise you.